Hello, it's Joanna Lumley here. And before we start this podcast, I wanted to take a moment to tell you about the Actors Benevolent Fund, which is here to support actors and stage managers in times of illness, injury, old age, and financial hardship. This industry can be wonderful, but it can also be challenging. And the ABF is here to help by offering grants in times of need and by providing a sense of community. If you're in the position to help support others in our industry, or if you need support yourself, you can find details of how to contact the ABF, as well as ways of keeping up to date with developments via social media, in the show notes of this episode. Meanwhile, why not become a member, which you can do through the ABF website. Thank you so much. Hello and welcome to the ABF podcast, where each week we invite special guests to talk to us about challenges they faced in the theatre and TV industry, from dealing with performance anxiety to rejection to coping with ageing and questions around our identity. Sat alongside them each week, we have coaches and therapists to help unpack the subject and offer practical advice. My name is Hannah Whittingham and I will be your host. In today's episode, we're chatting to Tanya Reynolds about handling performance anxiety. Tanya is probably best known for playing Lily in the Netflix hit series Sex Education and Mrs. Elton in the 2020 film of Emma. But she's had a varied career spanning TV, film and stage. Alongside Tanya, we have therapist and counsellor Fiona Macbeth, who specialises in working with performers and ran the counselling service at a musical theatre college for several years. Welcome to you both. I'm going to start with you, Tanya. So most people would assume that someone they see on telly who is objectively doing very well and seems very self-assured would not have an issue in any way with this kind of performance anxiety or nerves, uh, particularly not on set. Um, But what has your experience been? I mean, I I, like 90% anxiety like with my whole entire being I am yeah when I was like when I was young like when I was a child I mean I don't I just wasn't anxious about performing at all I was incredibly like self-assured and confident when it came to performing um and I've never had stage fright really but getting walk being on sets actually because obviously I've I've um my career has predominantly been in TV and film, really, mostly TV. And um, I find being on sets and being behind the camera or front of, in front of the camera, rather, like, I, I, I'm immensely anxious all the time, most of the time. Yeah. I mean, I love it, but, yeah. like... That's really interesting that you said it wasn't something that, that you were aware of being a thing for you when you were younger. When... When did it first start manifesting itself? Well, I feel like it's kind of gotten worse in a lot of ways as I've got older, like the more work I've done. Um, And I feel like it, when I, honestly, I feel like when I left drama school, I kind of left with a real, I mean, I'm really grateful for my drama school experience. And like, I took so much, so many positive things from it. But I did also leave with a kind of dent in my self-esteem. And a lot of that was down to the kind of 
overthinking mm. aspect that I felt like my time at drama school um, really fed. Right. It, and then, so I kind of went, I feel like I went in feeling like I know what acting is and I feel like I can do it and I really enjoy it. And it was very simple. It was like acting is pretending to be other people as believably as possible. And that's yeah. really fun. And then I kind of came out of drama school like, I don't know what it is. I don't think I can do it. I don't, like, I'm obviously not very good at it. It's this weird, unattainable thing that I just don't have any access to and I can't mm. reach it. And I just was, so, I just came out so so self-conscious and then I think going starting to work in um like my very first job when I left drama school was a film mm. and then it was a tv show and then it was you know a string of tv really and I think that being on camera I think was something that I wasn't expecting to find as yeah as kind of difficult for my anxiety as it as yeah. it was. Yeah, it's funny because I think when people think of performance anxiety, they think of stage parts Yeah, yeah. And they think of, there are all these people in front of you that you can mm. see with your own eyes mm. in the moment rather than the future numbers of people that might be watching something after yeah. it's transmitted. Um, but did it did it start from the very first job then when you when you left drama school can you remember what that job was (laughs) yeah I can it was a really amazing experience that I hold very 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 dear to me like I had the best time but it was that feeling of because you know growing up doing theatre and going to drama school is predominantly doing stage stuff and you know I did theatre at university and all that and then um suddenly yeah, just that act of like it being record, like what you're doing being recorded and then that's it. And you're mm. like, no, 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 I haven't, that wasn't right. I didn't, I didn't get that right. And um, yeah, that was just a new anxiety that I hadn't really experienced before because I just didn't have that. I didn't have any or much experience on camera. Yeah. And I found it really hard to kind of relinquish that control of mm. Um, no, you do, you get your three takes and then it goes into the ether and it goes to the editor and the director and just feeling like, no, 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 that that wasn't right. I didn't feel it. It wasn't good enough. I did that wrong and blah, blah, blah. And it was that like over, over I just became like so overly critical and like of every little thing that I would do. Mm. I mean, that's a really interesting element. And I'm going to bring Fiona in in a moment to talk about this a bit, because that to me as well, there's an element of just a complete lack of control in terms of not only that's three takes and it's it, and there's no chance to revisit it like you would in a long run and Mm. evolve it as well. But also you don't choose which take they choose. Yeah, I don't know whether that factors in to that at all, but that just lack of control over where it ends up and which one gets used. Yeah. Oh my God, big time. Yeah, because you, I feel like that was, that would also be a thought in my head as well. Mm. And it's things that you, sh- you just shouldn't be thinking when you're in a scene or whatever. And when you're on stage, you're not thinking, you're just, I feel like on stage, I'm so much less likely to have stage fright because I just feel like, okay, this is just me. Like I'm in control of my performance and there's yeah. no one else like 
I can't blame anyone else if it's mm. shit. Like it is just me and the other actors and we're going to do this together. And you're there and you're in the moment and it's immediate. Whereas just the the stopping and starting of, of film work is just, it's, it's difficult. It's a real skill Yeah, that, you know... And how does it how does it manifest itself? What, what happens when you go into that anxiety mode? I mean, for me, I um, I mean, a lot of it is like I have real issues with self critique, and I mean, every mm. actor does, I guess. But like, you know, and there's you know the voice in my head telling me that, like, before I've even opened my mouth, before the, they've even said action, there's something in my head saying, "Oh, you're." you're so shit and this is going to be so bad. Mm. And everyone around you is looking at you and thinking how bad this is. And those people watching the monitor, they're not looking at it thinking, oh, she's so great. What's she going to do? They're thinking she's awful. Let's just get through this. Like it's just already like putting negativity out there before I've even (laughs) said my first line. And then that kind of just, when I feel... um, when I'm dealing with that kind of criticism that I'm putting on myself, it just kind of freezes me up. Like it mm. just physically as well. Yeah, physically. Um, and you know, I can I'll say the lines and I'll do the movements, but like it's like I'm kind of behind glass. Like I'm not fully. I feel like my the performances that I'm most proud of are the ones where I really know where I really did not feel self-conscious and Mm -hmm. so I didn't have those voices in my head and I really felt good about what I was doing and then I just feel like physically free vocally free yeah I was going to ask does it affect your voice can you yeah big time I feel like it and I don't know if it's something that just you know I notice or other people can because obviously we know all our own tics and stuff but I can literally see it. I can, I can feel it. Like my, it feels like my voice gets restricted. I feel like my face, like um, my effect gets restricted. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess just before we do bring Fiona in, I, I'm really interested in auditions as well. Cause obviously the, the, mm. the big three, the, like, the, the screen work, the stage work, and then auditions are something that generally people get quite terrified about. Yeah. How do, how do you feel about those? Does it get the same sort of effect for you I mean obviously if I if I I mean obviously in person auditions are quite a rarity now (laughs) like it's a lot of tapes but um I mean obviously if it's something I especially if it's something I really really care about and I really want like of course I get nervous but I do feel like with auditions I'm far less anxious than I am actually on the job when I get Mm. the job because um there's something about the parameters around an audition, like the fact that you only usually only have a couple of days to prepare. So that means you can only do a certain amount of work yeah, on it. You can only really like, you can do, you can only do so much. Um, and you kind of have to go on, just go on your instinct because you just don't have time really to mm. think about anything else. And then that, I just feel like really frees me up. I have an instinct and I'm just kind of go with that. And then I just sort of feel like in the audition, they either, I'm either right for this or I'm not. And that I just find really re- liberating. Um, and I, so I feel like I actually audition better than I perform. That's interesting. Which is really bleak. But, it, <laughs> but like, because it's when I get the job that the anxiety starts because it's like, 
it's all, when you when you're auditioning there's nothing to lose because you haven't got the job isn't yours yeah and then when you get the job it's like oh shit now I've now I've got to prove that I'm worthy of it yeah and that and then I then the pressure starts to mount and then yeah, yeah the anxiety kicks in I think that's really interesting. And actually, oddly, I I find that a very helpful thing to think about auditions, that actually having those parameters suddenly to me, now you've said that, I think actually, yeah, they're fine. Yeah. <laughs> they're all right. They're no bother at all. That's yeah. that's all good. Yeah. No, I think that'll be that's that's actually a really useful way to think about it as well. So yeah. um well done you for, <laughs> for having managed to psych yourself into that. Um Fiona, I want to bring you in here just to talk about a little bit about what we are talking about. First of all, how common is performance anxiety? Well, the way Tanya's described it and beautifully explained is, is you know, one label just does not describe this situation. It's a very complex set of um, issues that interact with each other in such a way to make life quite difficult for us at times. So I think it's very common you know, to have difficulty of this nature, I think is very common in performance. Mm. Um, most people don't fess up to it, though. And I think that's really sad in the mm. industry that they can't talk more openly about it. Um, when I was at the Musical Theatre College, a lot of people seemed to have a fear of talking about it because they thought that might actually create it for them or associate mm. them with it or somehow, you know, make them more prone to it. Mm. And actually, I think it's the opposite. That's interesting. I think if we can talk about it and if we can normalise it in some way, because it is a very normal reaction mm. to a very difficult thing that we're asking people to do. Mm. Let's face it. Um, so if we can normalise it and recognise that everybody, I believe it's sometime in their life, probably experiences it to some extent. Yeah. Um, certainly the people who've never experienced it are absolutely in the minority. Mm. It would make it easier for people to cope with it. Yeah. And not just think this is something terrible. It is only ever happening to me. Yeah. Yeah. And I do I do feel as well when I'm on a job, if I just say, if I voice it and say to, I did it literally last week with the director of the show I'm working on at the moment. I just said at the end of the day, I was like, oh, mate, I'm, I'm really anxious. I'm really, <laughs> really anxious. And I feel like just saying it out loud mm. um, just sort of, I don't know, it lifts something off of you mm -hmm. and it puts it out in the space. And it's like, okay, well, we've got that and we can deal with that. And how are we going to deal with that? I'm not mm. being articulate with what I mean. No, but I just feel like just saying it, putting it in the room and also talking with other actors because as well, mm. the amount of times that I'm on something and if, if I just... I'm sitting in the green room with an actor and I'm just like, oh, dude, I'm, I feel so anxious. I'm panicking. So often I feel like actors especially are the most supportive mm. people because they all like we've all experienced it or are experiencing it or have had experiences with it and so I feel like we're all really equipped to deal with it when other people are going through it yeah, yeah. because I feel like I'm like if I'm with an actor and they say they're anxious I'm like right here we go <laughs> I know exactly <laughs> what you need I know exactly what to do for you yeah. so yeah I do feel like talking about it is a really healthy thing yeah, and I think it's a really interesting point, Fiona, that you brought up there, that this idea that people almost think it's infectious mm. and that if you tell someone you're nervous, it's going to make someone else nervous because mm. you've mentioned the nervousness. Mm. And that's 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 really interesting to to flip that and go, actually, no, the, the more you talk to people, the more supportive people can be. Mm. It's out in the open. Everyone realises they're not on their own. 
And also the point you made there that it is completely rational. Yeah. Particularly whether you're on the stage or whether, as you've described, you're in front of a camera, which, albeit you've just got the crew in the room, but you have no idea how many potentially millions of people are going to watch it later. Because your eyes going, sorry, Tanya. (laughs) I hate to tell you, Tanya, but you are in a very, very popular television series. (laughs) There are going to be a lot of people watching. Um, But it, it is completely rational. And I think there can probably be a lot of shame perhaps attached to it as well when people think that they're overreacting to the situation. Yeah. That mm. if you put most people in that situation, anyone in that mm. situation, they're going to have the same response. But the the thing as well is by not talking about it, you add the extra complication of the guilty secret thing. Mm. Oh, my God, it's only me and nobody's got to see and I must keep it into myself and hide it. And that's extra pressure. That's extra stress. Mm. Yeah. So it's kind of a double whammy if you don't open up about it, really. Yeah. In the, to the right people and at yeah. the right time, obviously. Yeah. But shall I just try and unpack some of the stuff that's Please going do. on? Because yes. it, it is a very complex thing. I mean, at its core is a totally um, long-term natural reaction to threat, which is like the fight or flight reaction, which is one of our oldest sort of reactions to physical threat it comes from when we're hunter gatherers and if there was something that was going to threaten us or kill us or take our food source away yeah that was what kicked in Mm. unfortunately as we get more sophisticated and there's fewer sort of woolly mammoths roaming (laughs) around um we get the imaginary threat and that's why what tanya was saying about the overthinking and stuff is so key here yeah so you've not just got the original fight or flight survival uh reaction You've got the sophisticated overthinking, the perfectionism, Mm. the self-criticism, the time between takes to let that really ramp up Mm. and really go. And this is the stuff that really does the damage. The Mm. physical threat we can deal with. It's there, it kills us, or it's gone. Mm. Job done. But the imaginary stuff is toxic. Mm. There is no end to how much we can run with this thing. And during COVID, we proved that, you know, we in lockdowns, most yeah. people just got into overthinking in such a bad way. It was terrible. Mm. So that is the thing that does the damage. Um, it's acute stress that it starts with. Right. But lots of other things then kick in mm. to make it very complex. And what Tanya was saying about in our child state not having this is classic because children don't have the imaginary threat capability that more sophisticated adults have. Yeah. So when you're a child, it's oh, someone has been mean to me at school, or that teacher made me look an idiot, or whatever. It's a tangible thing, you know. That that is what you're upset about. But when you're over twelve, normally that is the sort of age when these things kick in. Suddenly, you begin to imagine the judgment of others. So and so thinks I'm an idiot. So and so won't play with me because they think I smell, or whatever, yeah. or I'm not pretty enough, whatever it is, you know. Yeah. But the imagination starts ramping this up. Yeah, And that is where it gets really tricky and really difficult. And, of course, the older we get, the better our imagination gets because our life experience is expanded. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's really interesting we, when you talk about children that actors are encouraged to reconnect with their inner child because that's the exciting acting. That's where yeah. all the impulse mm. comes from. And yet you're being asked to be a child in an environment which is an adult environment where you are fully aware of judgment and yeah. things that might go wrong, things that have gone wrong, all of the experiences you have as well. Yeah. That's a big ask of anyone. I think. Yeah. Mm. But that's, I mean, this is probably another podcast, but that's when you get the sort of true inner self surrounded by the defensive 
suit mm-hmm. of armour, if you like, which we all put on to protect ourselves in everyday situations, act as I would have thought more than most. Well, you, you're doing the ultimate. You're putting on another character, you know, mm-hmm. to protect the inner stuff. But at times, the inner sort of is struggling with this because they're worried about the defences being breached mm-hmm. and the inner fragility being seen. Yeah. So that's added stress. So, you know, yeah, it's another podcast, but it's part <laughs> of this as well. It's another series, isn't yeah. it, <laughs> Um, I mean, what what are the ways then that performance anxiety often does show itself or manifest itself in people? Well, because it's fight or flight, you've got very strong physical symptoms mm. because, you know, the, the body is being prepared to fight to the death, run for the hills, or actually there is a third one, play dead. Yes. So all, all your internal organs and systems are preparing for these kind of eventualities. So, for example, the blood flow, you know, all goes to the vital organs because that's where they're going to be needed most. So face might go red, chest might go red, but hands might go very cold, feet mm. might go very cold. Mm-hmm. Heart rate, yeah. very, very fast, obviously. Body tenses up, ready to fight, you know. Every muscle sort of is is tensing up there. Breathing becomes very shallow. Mm-hmm. You stop breathing in your stomach, it's all in your chest, which again increases the anxiety. Makes you faint. Makes yeah. you feel faint. Yeah, yeah. feel dizzy. Yeah, yeah. absolutely which is why controlled breathing is a great thing that hopefully I'll talk about later. Yeah. Um, stomach and guts, we all know what happens there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Basically, yes. it wants to empty itself so you can run faster. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so you can run faster and get away. Yeah. You know? oh, I didn't know that. So, I mean, it, it, it absolutely makes sense. Yeah. And then you've got the trembling hands, the shaky voice, because the, the intensity is in the internal organs that are going to help you survive or not. Not whether your hands are nice and yeah, controlled yeah. and all the rest of it, or whether your voice is is smooth. Um, my voice just went then. That was yeah, really weird. Yeah. <laughs> it's perfectly on cue though. Yeah. Well, um, but you also get a lot of psychological symptoms as well. Yeah. So you, you can't you can't focus on things. You, you've got the attention span of a, a goldfish or less. You know, it, it's very difficult. Um, irritability is a major mm. factor if it goes on. Yeah. Very irritable, very short-tempered. <laughs> Tanya's doing a lot of nodding, nodding <laughs> to that one. <laughs> oh, yeah. And just generally a feeling of being overwhelmed, which leads to this feeling of absolute dread and doom. Mm-hmm. That yeah. you, you're not going to survive this. I mean, this is what the feeling is about. Yeah. Fight or flight, You are. it's your survival. Yeah. Tanya, you're doing lots of nodding. Is this <sighs> sounding familiar? Oh, my gosh, so familiar. <laughs> That's just like a Tuesday for me. Um, yeah. Yeah, all of those things. And like the like the amount of times I'm in a scene and I feel like I'm going to faint because mm. just what you said, I'm breathing in my chest and then I, I get so dizzy. I am just thinking, oh my God, I'm going to faint, I'm going to faint. And it's so hard in acting, obviously, like you, it's so important to be present and I find it, so hard so much of the time to be present because I'm or everything you just explained is kind of what is happening to my body and my brain mm. um I mean yeah sometimes more severely than others but yeah but that's the ultimate disassociation isn't it that's mm. the ultimate defense mm. you just you play dead yeah you disassociate yourself from what's going on around because you yeah. can't really cope with it yeah and that is when you feel it's all behind glass and you're not really there mm. and and that is a scary enough thing on its own yeah. yeah, it's quite a cocktail, isn't it? Oh. It it really is. Um, and I mean, where is the line? Do you think, Fiona, between 
useful nerves, which have a place in performance and when it tips over into this sort of anxiety. Mm-hmm. Well, there is some sort of graph for this on, online that you can look up if you want. But, you know, we all need a certain degree of arousal because otherwise it, it's boredom. We're just bored and we can't be bothered to do anything. You know, we we need a certain degree. And then we have an optimum state of arousal when we're probably at our best. You know, we're, fe- we're feeling sharp. We're feeling on our game. We're feeling energised, but we're not feeling overwhelmed. But if we get too much adrenaline in there, it tips over. Mm. And we get to this overwhelmed where we're just not performing our best. We're, we're, we're fighting other things. There's too much else going on. Yeah. Um, and, and we just just yeah get into the red area yeah tanya am i right in thinking that you have managed to develop anxiety about not being anxious yeah oh yeah 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 (laughs) i am this is a really big thing uh for me at the moment i did a job last year um and when it started i was just like just having a really nice time Mm. and like just feeling really good about what I was doing and like what what I just I really loved the script I loved the cast it was just something I was just really excited about and I just was going with my instinct and just having a nice time and then as the weeks went on it got onto like the second week or something and I started to panic that like the fact that I hadn't been anxious was not a good thing all of a sudden it was it was scary and I was Mm. like I haven't really been anxious this whole time. I've been really comfortable. And is that a really bad, is that bad? Is that a bad thing? Is is the fact, and then I became so anxious, like doubt, like just, and my brain became like, oh God, like a vicious dungeon oh of critique. And it, it was horrible. It was a nasty, nasty place. <laughs> and, uh, I was talking, I was seeing a therapist at the time, you know, Mm. every week and she'd kind of seen me go from, you know, yeah, I'm having a really good time and I feel really good about myself to like two weeks later being like, I'm, 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 I'm panicking that the fact that I haven't been panicking is a bad sign. Um, and I'm just, maybe I'm just phoning it in. Maybe I'm just Mm. being lazy. Maybe this is, um, a really bad thing. And she kind of helped me see that I because I am so anxious all the time Mm. (laughs) about everything I'm just a very anxious person I live in a constant state of anxiety about anything and everything um and same with you know depression and it's they've anxiety and depression have been such a big part of my life for Mm. I mean my since I was a teenager Mm. um that she's kind of made me see that that these these states are kind of like they're almost safe mm. and whenever i don't feel anxious or depressed i suddenly feel unsafe because i don't i kind of don't know what that space is like and i'm scared of it and i there's something in my brain that's like well you've got this far being mm. an anxious depressed mess um so anything that isn't that um is suddenly scary and unsafe and yeah yeah so it, yeah very 
There's a great uh, Hugh Laurie quote, which is, if something is worth doing, it's worth getting thoroughly miserable about, <laughs> which I feel like I've always, I've always <laughs> oh lived to that. Um, it's but, a sad thing, though, isn't it, that we do actually gravitate towards the familiar, yeah. even mm. when it's not good. Yeah. Mm. That, that, is, that is the human condition, but it's yeah. actually really sad. Yeah. So you, you kind of know anxiety, you know how it works. Yeah. So when you're not there, it just does feel a little bit insecure, which yeah. is very odd, isn't it? Yeah. But yeah, it's something to work against, isn't it, really? Yeah, definitely. My my dad once said to me, um, it was actually after I'd found out I got the part in sex education. So this mm. was like in 2018. And like, I'd auditioned for that role so many times and like it was a really long road to getting wow. it and then I finally got it and it was like oh my god it was such a relief I was it was amazing and uh I my I spoke to my dad on the phone and uh he was like bloody hell so you got it and I was like yeah 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 and he was like, were you happy? And I was like, oh, yeah, but I'm just, I'm really nervous because now, you know, because I started filming, like I found out I got it and then I started filming like four days later. Oh, wow. And I started to be like, yeah, I'm just really nervous because, you know, I've only got four days and like I'm really nervous that they're going to um, sack me and that I'm not going to be good enough and that maybe it's a mistake and why did it take so long to cast me? Maybe I'm not right for it. Maybe they didn't really mm. want me, maybe blah, 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 all this stuff. And my dad was just like... He said he was like, "When is the part where you are happy about this?" Yeah. He was like, "You love acting. This is your dream job. Mm. If you can't be happy now, when you've just got an amazing part in in a big Netflix show, when when do you when are you happy?" Yeah. He was like, "Why are you doing it then?" Yeah. And it was like it was a real wake up call. It was like, yeah. oh. He was so right. <laughs> but it is what you said. It's just the the weird, the familiar, the comfort mm, in the familiar. Mm. It's like mm. we, we we know where we're at when we're criticizing everything and when we're being negative about everything. Mm. That's just a space that we know and we understand, um, even if it makes us miserable. Mm. Yeah. And I wonder, Fiona, as well, where um, where the overlap is between, I mean, Tanya's spoken about sort of other anxieties outside yeah. of specific performance anxiety in the theatre or on film. But is there an overlap? Is it that that there is, you are much more likely to get stage fright slash performance anxiety if you are already sort of a fairly anxious person? Are there some people that it just comes out of nowhere? What's the difference, if there is any, between a sort of generalised anxiety and a, a specific uh, performance-related anxiety? There's massive overlap between all those things. Yes. Because very rarely do people just have one label. Yeah. It's kind of a, a combination. We're all individuals. So, you know, we'll the, there's common themes, if you like, but, but there's no distinct formula that everybody adheres to, really, I suppose. Um, I mean, actors have to be sensitive people. Mm -hmm. They have to be yeah. able to empathise with people. And I was just reading a book about burnout the other day that empathise is actually one of the most dangerous characteristics. Is it? Because oh, you tend to overreach and over-emotionally stretch yourself mm. for the benefit of others, but to your own detriment. Yeah. Which is a kind of really interesting way of looking at empathy, if you think yeah. about it. And I think, you know, people like actors and performers generally are, are very much at risk of that yeah. all the time. So, yes, I would think because of their nature... 
Mm. performers and actors in particular are at risk of anxiety and sensitivity, if you like. Where that crosses the line into something which is an issue which is difficult to live with Mm. is an individual thing, really, and and depends very much on the combination of things that you're dealing with at that particular time. Mm. So, for example, I would think that you're more susceptible to performance anxiety if you have other major stressors going on in your life at that time. Yeah. For example, if you're trying to get back into the business after COVID, when you're wondering whether the business is going to be there after mm, COVID yeah. and everything hangs on it. If you've just had a, a relationship breakdown where your self-esteem has, has suffered massively and, and you're not really the most confident of people, yeah. then you go in, in front of cameras or whatever. That That is quite a lot of stress to handle at one time. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, Generally, if you've had a disappointment or you've got other financial worries going on as well, these are all going to pile up. And if you load, you know, major performance um, issue, well, major performance needs on top of that, it could just overwhelm. Yeah, I think that's that's the situation, and that's why I think sometimes people have it much. They have episodes of this, Mm. and then it disappears for quite some time and might not recur. Unless there's some other things going on in your life yeah. that cause it to um, tip over. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And I mean, Tanya, are there certain circumstances in which it is more likely that you will become very anxious when you're working? Is there anything you've put your finger on? Um, whether it's in the job itself or yeah. whether it's anything else that's going on? I mean, I it's it, so many factors. I mean, I, I do tend to feel very anxious because I'm I have quite bad social anxiety and I find um just being in crowd crowded spaces or really busy spaces where I just feel like kind of over overly simulated mm. um I find I get very I can get very anxious in those kind of situations so if there's ever scenes where it's like a lot of people um that's that's going to cause a lot of anxiety. There was a scene actually in the season three of Sex Education where um, uh, I had to be on the stage in the school in the school hall, like an assembly. And so, you know, this hall of I don't know how many extras, and the extras on that show are so lovely and supportive mm. and just gorgeous. But like I was on a stage in front of all of these people, and then the cameras, and I just I was so anxious I couldn't look up for I was just looking at the ground and it was like my heart was racing I was just felt like frozen um which you know was kind of fine for the scene because I I was like well she's probably really anxious in this moment as well so this is (laughs) great um no acting required but those kind of environments I will feel yeah way more inclined to anxiety and also just an environment when um if for whatever reason I just don't feel if I feel like intimidated I mean it's the same for everyone really Mm. I guess if you feel acting is such a vulnerable thing and you're you're really putting yourself out there even if it's a scene where you know you're fully clothed and you're just the the scene is you buying something from a shop even Mm. if it's the most simple in you know inverted commas what is it called yeah uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> in bunny ears um even if it's the most simple 
scene, you're still kind of, you're still putting yourself out there. You're still naked in mm -hmm. a way. People are looking at you. People are, you know, judging you or, you know, in some way. And um, if you feel like, if you, for whatever reason, don't feel safe or don't feel like supported or encouraged or like if there's a coldness mm. to the environment, I find that like, I'm just, I'm going to, I this the coldness of the room will seep into yeah. my bones and I mm. will feel cold and then I'll feel frozen and I'll panic and, you know, so I just feel like the environments where I feel the least anxious are where I just feel where there's a calmness, where there's, you know, a lot of supportive energy and a warmth to the people that I'm working with. Yeah, those are kind of the best. But that's kind of, you know, for anyone and anything really, isn't it? Mm. But no, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, it's, it, I mean, you know what happens when you see people who aren't used to it just being asked to walk somewhere on camera and nobody can walk anymore. Yeah. It's, it's a bizarre thing that happens to people when they say, how yeah. does this work? I don't even, yeah. I don't even remember. Um, but Fiona, I mean, from your experience about probably having spoken to a lot of performers about this as well, with your job sort of running a counselling service, um, are there certain sets of circumstances where performance anxiety is much more likely to be worse in the job itself as opposed to sort of other life things that are going on? Well, there certainly can be triggers or additional things that don't help. I think mm. the sensory overload that you talked about is really key for some people, mm. you know. Um, not being given enough space, too many people in your face, you don't have time to process anything. Uh, noise, noise can yeah. be a big issue for yeah. some people. They just can't stand um, noise or or being have, having to wear certain um, pieces of costume that they don't feel comfortable in at all mm. is, as well can, can make it very difficult. Mm. People who you don't feel get you or you don't feel attuned with mm. can also... Um, not help in these situations. But I think ultimately it's about your state of being. Mm. It's about whether you're tuned into yourself too much and your self-doubts or whether you can turn that off and look outwards. Mm. You know, if I sat here and thought about what bollocks I'm talking or if my stomach's <laughs> going to growl or, you know, do I really know anything about this at all? Yeah. I would probably really start struggling to get the words out. Yeah. But if I listen to what Tanya's saying and I actually try to to concentrate on her words and make sense of them, mm. I suddenly feel fine yeah. and I can talk. And it's the same in life, isn't it? You yeah. know, if, if we can get away from that self-critical, what the hell are you talking about? You're talking mm. rubbish. Yeah. And actually just zone in on somebody else or, or some other place mm. or what we're trying to communicate or, or what is actually going on here. Yeah. We suddenly feel much calmer. We yeah. suddenly feel more in control. Yeah. So there's contact with another human as well, yeah, isn't it? It's just there's, there's another actual human being in the room. It's yeah. not just me on my own yeah. doing this yeah. monologue. Yeah. I'm not on my own. I'm, I'm communicating. I'm engaging. Yeah. You know, I know what's going on. So. Try not to go over into yourself mm. yeah. because there lies self-doubts, overthinking mm. and getting lost. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And this is a really out. good little segue, actually, Fiona, into, into any advice you can give, or I suppose just not so much advice as sort of practical things that people might be able to, to employ who have to, to, to get up on stage or be in front of a camera and, and suffer this sort of thing. Well, Health warning, I think it's very different for each individual and everybody sure. ultimately has to find their own way 
to deal with whatever issues they might have. But I think it's very important that people think about psychological preparation for roles or auditions mm. or challenges in life. And they don't just think about physical, do I know the lines? You know, have I said yeah. them enough? You know, do I know yeah. this character? Because I've no doubt that you do know all that mm. and you should stop that at a certain point and think right now, mentally, I'm going to get my head straight for this. I'm going to actually prepare my head. Now, what does that mean? Well, it means pulling back and taking as much time as you need to get in the right psychological state yeah, for doing yeah. this. You know, it, it means it means calming. It, it means doing controlled breathing from your stomach, not from your chest. Absolutely getting yourself in a much calmer state mentally. It might mean listening to some music if that's audio does it for you or looking at some photographs if that does it for you, you know, or visualizing yourself in, in a calm place that you really like, like going for a walk or being on a beach or something, or actually visualizing one of the performances where you feel you nailed it, mm. where, where you, you got the feeling that you were really on it, mm. running through that in detail, minute detail of all your five senses being engaged yeah. could be a really good preparation, you know, if that works for you. Yeah. Or listening to a podcast, listening to somebody's voice, you know, um, anything like that. But but taking the time to use the tool that you know works best for you, and you can have a variety of tools, but you'll know the ones that are most effective to get yourself in a calm, good level space as well as doing all the physical relaxation of trying to take the tension out of your body, which I presume most people do anyway. Mm. Um, but then the most important thing is trying to remove or tune out from these negative thoughts. Just, just try to kick them into touch for mm. this time and get some default positive or at least reasonable thoughts in your head. Yeah. So if you have a panic and you go, you go, you grab for a thought you don't get something toxic. Yeah. yeah. Even if it's just something like, I've got this, I can do it. You know, think about your experience and your learning and trust yourself that you can do this mm. because you've done it so many times before. Yeah. And have that thought uppermost mm. in your head so you've got something to hold on to Yeah. if the going gets a bit bumpy. Yeah. yeah. Try to be in the moment as well. Yeah. Try to actually look at external indicators like, I don't know, focus on something that's on the set or yeah. focus on some actor's hand or, or something that will bring you back to the moment and to reality Yeah, yeah, yeah. and out yeah. of your head because yeah. that's, that's really important. Yeah, I really like that. Just the, those those three big ones, really. Just spend as much time preparing your mindset as your lines. I think mm. it's a really nice one. Yeah. Uh, exercising your toxic thoughts, mm -hmm. however you choose to do that. And just finding a way that can bring you into the moment, whatever that is, yeah. whether it's a visual thing, whether it's keying into sounds, whatever helps you. But Tanya, do, do you have sort of similar coping strategies that you've discovered over the years? Yeah, it's interesting. You said, Fiona, the focusing on something on set, because that uh, is something that I really try yeah. and do. Um, from my very first job, I asked, I was working with... Uh, the incredible Maxine Peake, not to just oh, to drop lovely. drop yeah. that name in there. Clang, Good. but she clang. <laughs> she um she I said to her once I I was like how do you stay how do you how do you stay present because you know I, I'm I don't know what I'm doing and I'm anxious and blah, blah, blah. and she said she was like sometimes I just kind of stare at something mm. that is in this that is on yeah. the set and just like focus on that because sometimes as well you're there's so much chaos going on 
on the set and you've mm. got to stay in the moment or whatever and you're trying to focus for the scene and it's really and I'm yeah I get sensory overload and I'm like a sponge and I absorb whatever kind of mm. if everyone's tense which mm. is most sets most mm. of the time mm. I absorb that and then I'm suddenly tense and I'm stressed and I'm you know um and just like I try now to just like stare at something yeah that's on the set and uh just focus on that and breathe like yeah breathe into mm. my tummy so I don't mm. go all dizzy um and also the like um years ago I had uh cognitive behavioral therapy for um health anxiety and the therapist told me to like um to to what to when I was having like a what we'd call like an irrational thought which was like I'd be like convinced that um I had whatever illness at the time. I was very convinced I had a blood clot in my leg specifically. That and very um, specific. Yeah. And it was a real, it was, it was a whole thing. It was a whole thing. It went on for years, but mm. I was really, really convinced about it. And I saw so many doctors who were like, you just don't have a blood clot. I don't know what to tell you. And I was like, <laughs> no, but I do. And I'm going to die. And because of this, because it's gone undiagnosed and blah, blah, blah. Mm. Uh, and, um, and um, yeah, it was just a very specific anxiety and for some reason I just was not I could not be convinced otherwise no mm. matter how many tests I had no matter how many medical professionals were like you are fine and um the therapist told me to like when I was having like a panic about something like that to write it down on a piece of paper to write two columns on a piece of paper and then in one column write the the thought that I was having like um, I've got a blood clot in my leg and I'm gonna die and then in the next column write a kind of counterthought to that but using evidence mm -hmm. so it would be like um well i've just had this blood test which was normal and i've seen this doctor and he said that it's fine blah blah, blah. and it really did work mm -hmm. and i tried to do that with my with my negative thoughts about my work when i'm suddenly about to film a scene or whatever and my brain starts going oh everyone in this room thinks you're shit and you are so shit and like they cast you as a, it was a mistake <laughs> like mm. you're gonna disappoint everyone blah 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 I just kind of try and like hear that as if someone else was saying that to me and how irrational that would sound and then mm. I would what I would say what evidence I would give to prove that wrong it's like mm. well you didn't get here by accident. Like you're not, no one's giving you this job out of charity. You yeah. earned it. You, you auditioned for it. You, you know, they've cast you for a reason. You're here for a reason. You've got things to offer. And it's just exactly what you said, Fiona, about like exercising those negative thoughts with positive ones that actually you can back up with evidence. Mm. And actually just to, to, Clang another name on the floor, Tanya. I believe Bill Nye oh. might have given you some quite good advice at some. Do point. you know? It wasn't actually. <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't advice. It was just like. It was just. He just made me feel so much better one day when I was. Um, I was anxious. It was on Emma, and I was. It was like one of my first days, and I had this like big, like monologue. And I was so intimidated because I was working with like all these amazing actors mm -hmm. and um, I saw, I felt properly like, I mean, 
just imposter syndrome central. I was like, what am I doing here with mm. Bill Nye and Anya Taylor-Joy and Mia Goth? It was just yeah. mad. And I was like, I was so anxious. Um, and I did, we did the rehearsal and I, I did my monologue. And then, and I was so nervous about it. And I think Bill just like, he's, he, he's talked about, you know, nerves himself before mm. and um I think he obviously just sensed it in me and he just kind of stopped me and when I was leaving the room and he just went um that was perfect that was oh. like completely unprompted yeah. and he was just like that was perfect just do exactly what you did that was mm. great and it was just like and he just took the time to talk to me about how he gets nervous and stuff and it just made me it was what we were saying at the very beginning about when you're when you're on set or um backstage or whatever and you talk about mm. when you share your stories about anxiety or nervousness especially when you're an actor who is like like bill who's like everyone's you know a national treasure <laughs> for a national yeah. treasure to say like yeah i see you and i feel you because i'm i feel that it just makes you feel like it just the nerves of that day just it were eradicated mm, because nice. it was like I felt seen, I felt understood, and I also felt like supported and encouraged. Like, yeah. and it was so lovely. And now I've, if I, yeah, I really want, I hope that I can like bring that energy to if I'm ever working with an actor who I can sense is anxious. Yeah. I really want to be able to like bring that calm to them and just yeah. say, it's okay, it's a safe space, you're great. Like, I get you. I get it. Yeah. You know? I mean, Fiona, I, I know it's difficult because anxiety is in your head, but are there things do you think that other people can do to help or an environment that can be created that, that can help when somebody is suffering quite a lot from performance anxiety? Well, I mean, it's important to point out that it feels so much worse than it ever looks. It probably doesn't even look like anything mm. externally. Yeah. And you need to remind yourself of, of, of that, that you think everybody can see this, but they probably have no idea whatsoever so mm. be aware of that I, um and I don't despite saying about talking about it and normalizing it and being very important I don't think this should be a team activity ideally I think it is for the individual to be supported to conquer it really mm. or, or change it so what you were talking about there um with Bill Nye is brilliant because that I think is the most valuable thing that somebody can do for you if they see that you are or you you express that you are struggling is just to be super calm and super grounded mm. because having somebody like that as ballast to your wobbliness will be the most helpful thing around yeah. and if they can throw in something encouraging like that that was brilliant yeah so much the better yeah yeah that's really nice it's the idea of creating almost a, just a supportive environment, almost like a container so yeah. that you can then use your toolkit that you then have to be yeah. able to yeah. to help yourself. Um, it's o- it's okay is the most important message. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. yeah. It's fine. Yeah. And to know as well that you're doing, that you are able to do good work mm-hmm. in spite of it because I always worry yes. that the anxiety um, limits me and it sometimes it really does. It really does like I said earlier vocally physically um but also and and then that kind of sense it it just it's like a vicious cycle because then I I get anxious and then Mm. I 
get anxious about the fact that I'm anxious and I'm like, mm. oh, this is going to ruin my performance mm. or whatever. But to know that you can do good work even if you are feeling that way yes. is like is really like useful to know yeah <laughs> yeah um, i always think it's almost the equivalent of when you realize particularly if you're doing a long run of a stage show and you realize that you can still do it when you're not feeling well physically mm, if you're a bit yeah. ill and you realize oh i can actually still get through this show and it's yeah. fine and the relief that that brings yeah exactly the same if like well i was feeling really anxious and actually it was fine yeah like, nobody really noticed other yeah. than me yeah yeah, yeah, um, yeah so at least it takes away the meta anxiety of being yeah. anxious about yeah. the initial anxiety yeah um, and then just before we do sort of the last couple of questions, I just want to bring in uh, stage managers as well. And whether that's stage managers in the theatre or whether even to a certain extent crew, key crew people as well, because th there is also a level of performance anxiety that goes in mm. into that. But they don't necessarily get the same payoff mm. in a sense of having done a show and the, mm. the sort of the adrenaline burning activity of doing a show I mean is there is there any advice or any thoughts that you have around the sort of the stage crew and the stage management side of things what they can well, do I think they are doing a performance in their own way I, I'm sure yeah. they get the same sort of anxiety and apprehension beforehand and mm. and have to behave in certain ways when they're doing that job which is slightly different to their inner normal authentic self if you like yeah. so I think they are doing a performance they just don't have the validation of the applause at the end or the mm. full stop of the applause at the end and I think that's where there might be a problem yeah um so they have to think very carefully I would have thought about their cool down routine after that performance and mm. how they come down from it and hopefully don't involve alcohol in that or yes. certainly too much alcohol because yeah. that they do need a period of coming down yeah. from it that's interesting, just building it. I guess in the same way that as an actor, as we've talked about earlier, you build in the time before the show to to do your visualisations mm. or to whatever it is, just building in that chunk of time afterwards mm. for the come down and just making sure that's part of the routine yeah. um, is is really good. Well, you wouldn't go in a gym and suddenly pick up a massive weight and without warming up. Oh, I've up, seen it happen. You? Well, and you've seen the consequences <laughs> well, as well. Exactly, yeah. exactly. You know, you would warm up and you would cool down. Yeah. And, yeah. and psychologically, you should do the same. For a performance. Yeah. That's really interesting thinking of it like a little graph almost of mm. just that you warm up into the psychology of it and then down the other side as well. That's yeah, it also explains why no one can ever sleep for hours, I suppose, <laughs> when they come off as well. That's Wired. Good yeah. to know. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I suppose on a very, very practical level, Fiona, what what can people do or where can people go if they feel that they're really struggling with something like this and they need some help from someone else? Um, well, in the first instance, um, you can seek help from somewhere like BAPM, which helps performing art artists, and or, or Equity, that both offer counselling um, mm. for um, artists that are struggling with this, or a lot of workshops and, and handouts as well um, on this. Or you can go and see a GP if you think you need medication. Yeah. Or if you can't access counselling through any of these methods, you can possibly think about trying to fund therapy yourself if you actually sure. feel that you need help and self-help is not going to do it for you yeah and i'm assuming bapam is a really good resource for that in terms of finding a therapist as well brilliant they've got so, a register and and they've got great. loads of fact sheets and and yeah. ways of helping you but that's great you know some people might need a little bit more help than helping themselves but yeah i think the thing to remember is that these things don't stay constant they change yeah. and it can just be a phase or a period as well yeah. That's the other thing to remember. Yeah. But there is help out there, definitely, and increasingly more specialised help for these particular sorts of issues. 
That's great. We'll we'll put some uh, links in the show notes as well for this podcast to different things. And then Tanya, just to finish up, I guess, I mean, you've, you've already given a few bits of advice that people have given you. So I don't know whether you have another one that you want to add in terms of dealing with it, a, a particularly good piece of advice, but also what advice would you give someone else who's struggling mm. with this? Um, oh, I think, I mean, I would steal Fiona's advice and <laughs> try it's and pass that It's my normal no that you're passing it off. No, it's fine. <laughs> I think what you said earlier about spending as much time preparing yourself mentally as, you know, you do line learning, I think that's so good. And that's something that I'm trying to do at the moment. Um, but yeah, because once you're, once you free your brain up from the constructs of um anxiety I feel like you can just it just makes it all feel so much easier Mm. and you can play and you can access parts of your performance that maybe you wouldn't be able to if it's frozen Mm. in anxiety so I think that's a really good shout um and I find manifest I find meditation really difficult um but I you know I find like manifest like trying to like I try and mix up meditation and manifestation together because I find it, I can't sit and think of nothing, but I sit and try and think of like, yeah, positive affirmations. Mm-hmm. So yeah, sit and do some positive affirmations Great. sandwiched between your line very, learning. Very Gen Z. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's amazing. Um, and thank you so much for being so honest, Tanya as well, and just bringing everything. Uh, and Fiona for your amazing contribution as well. I think everything everything you've said is incredibly incredibly useful from both of you and i think it's going to help a lot of people so fiona and tanya thank you very much thank Thank you. you thank you for listening to the abf podcast if you've been affected by any of the issues raised in this episode you can find helpful links in the show notes if you would like to become a member of the abf support us or require support you can find everything you need on our website details of which are also in the show notes until next time goodbye